Hello and welcome to an exclusive podcast brought to you by Vijo Oncology. Today, we're delighted to have five experts discussing the latest immunotherapy updates in head and neck cancer. To begin, we have Ezra Cohen from Moore's Cancer Center at UC San Diego Health discussing the clinical activity of pentacentamab in patients with head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. Pentacentamab is a bispecific antibody that targets both EGFR and LGR5. It was initially uh, developed uh, in tumors that expressed high levels of EGFR and of course head and neck squamous cell carcinoma is one of those. And what was really um, interesting about the agent is that we began to see clinical responses uh, fairly early on. Um, the patients that were enrolled on the study were ones that had previously had an anti-PD-1 or anti-PD-L1 antibody and had previous uh, platinum exposure and unfortunately were refractory to both those modalities. The um, trial uh, then enrolled about uh, 43 patients, uh, of which the majority were evaluable for response. And what we were struck by was a very high activity level uh, of this agent in this highly refractory patient population with recurrent and metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. In fact, the response rate was 37% with a little bit more than 70% of patients having disease control for at least 16 uh, weeks. Uh, that to me is remarkable because in this patient population, the conventionally available agents uh, really uh, would not have been expected to produce that higher response rate. Um, couple that with a um, median progression-free survival of just under uh, six months and a median duration of response of just about six months. And we have an agent that is uh, active and what appears to be effective in a refractory group of patients. Next up, we have Nabil Sabah of Winship Cancer Institute of Emory University presenting findings from a phase two trial of pembrolizumab and cabozantinib in patients with head and neck cancer. This was a trial that was presented last year at this ASCO meeting and uh, basically included patients with both HPV positive and negative disease uh, and combined cabozantinib, which is a VEGF TKI, with uh, the standard of care uh, of a single agent pembrolizumab. And what we found is that the study was, um, I mean, the combination was fairly well tolerated. Um, and as indicated, the responses were generous and uh, the progression-free survival and uh, overall survival data was also fairly encouraging. Uh, I think the question is, are all these VEGF TKIs created equal? Uh, and I think uh, it's important to dwell more into the mechanism of action of each one of these agents. Certainly VEGF plays a major role, but I think cabozantinib also does target other uh, pathways, specifically immune-related pathways, uh, including the TAM, uh, uh, the TAM uh, receptors, uh, as well as uh, MER uh, and other uh, and other immune-related um, elements, which we have not really studied much in 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 any tumor type, actually. And so it it would be important to really figure out how much of the combination of PD-1 with uh, cabozantinib, cabozantinib specifically 
uh, is really triggered by these immunomodulatory aspects that cabozantinib is, is producing uh, and whether this uh, will cut across all the VEGF TKIs or certain VEGF TKIs. I think that would be fascinating to look at. Ari Rosenberg of Yale School of Medicine shares an overview of the DEPEND trial, which assessed neoadjuvant nivolumab, paclitaxel, and carboplatin, followed by response-stratified chemoradiation in local regionally advanced HPV-negative head and neck cancer. The DEPEND trial really speaks to a patient population of local regionally advanced HPV-negative head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. This is a very challenging patient population where despite curative intent therapy, survival rates remain quite poor and treatment continues to be associated with substantial treatment-related toxicity. So the DEPEND trial evaluated neoadjuvant nivolumab, which is a PD-1 immune checkpoint inhibitor, with chemotherapy, followed by response stratified chemoradiation. The trial enrolled patients with HPV-negative disease, stage 4A or 4B, and all patients received three cycles of nivolumab, carboplatin, and paclitaxel, followed by radiographic response assessment. And in patients with a deep response to therapy, defined as 50% or greater tumor shrinkage, patients received response-adapted chemoradiation, which was a small reduction in dose to 66 grade of gross disease and margin, and importantly, elimination of elective nodal radiation. On the other hand, patients with a suboptimal response following neoadjuvant therapy with less than 50% tumor shrinkage, they went on to receive standard dose chemoradiation, including elective nodal radiation. Uh, and this was followed by immunotherapy consolidation. The primary endpoint was deep response rate, defined as the proportion of patients who achieved a deep response, defined as 50% or greater tumor shrinkage per resist criteria following chemoimmunotherapy neoadjuvant. Blessy Elizabeth Nelson of the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center discusses the ongoing study investigating synergy between clostridium with pembrolizumab. So we talked about the rationale of, you know, using Clostridium novi and pembrolizumab. So Clostridium novi, this is an attenuated um, bacteria, anaerobic bacteria, with a non-toxic component to it that, you know, really has an affinity for the hypoxic areas in your tumor environment and to be able to lyse and cause apoptosis and cell death. Uh, so the idea of synergizing um, C. novi with, um, with an immunotherapy agent such as pembrolizumab, which is an immune checkpoint inhibitor, has not been tested previously, especially with the uh, bacterial vector. We, we have a lot of evidence in the oncolytic viral space where we know that there's a lot of synergy between oncolytic viruses and immune checkpoint inhibitors. We saw that preclinically and also we see that with clinical data um, that we've seen so far with TVEC in the past in melanomas. So the, um, this study was really trying to understand the first of its kind as a bacterial vector. What is the synergy between the potential efficacy of Clostridium novi with pembrolizumab together? So far, at our data cutoff at um, October 2022, we had enrolled 16 patients so far at the MD Anderson Cancer Center. And these patients varied in history 
histology. But what we have noticed is that um, patients, um, especially with nasopharyngeal carcinoma, undifferentiated type, and also HPV positive squamous cell carcinoma of basic tongue, vulvar melanomas, uh, and mucosal melanomas, especially, and chordomas, these are the four histologies that really shown profound impact in terms of um, response rate and durability of the responses as well. The schedule for this trial, the way we designed it was to give on day one the pembrolizumab to kind of really prime up the T-cell immune system, and then on day eight to deliver the Clostridium novi uh, percutaneously to accessible lesions. We avoided any lesions that were uh, deep or in the visceral or in the peritoneal or thoracic cavities, especially um, because you know this is a bacteria that can germinate and then eventually cause lysis. And to uh, for safety reasons, we only chose accessible superficial lesions that were either manually palpable or radiologically you know accessible. And what we did was, and then the pembrolizumab was given every three weeks, and this continued on for two years or, or, or less, as long as the patient-derived response. Our best responses were actually in nasopharyngeal carcinoma, where our best patient had a minus 88% response rate, and with a durable response for almost two years. And one of our mucosal melanoma patients actually had a complete response for almost two years. We also saw that the duration of response um, of all patients on this trial was around 8.8 months. And also many of our uh, translational data that we have from the pre and the post-treatment biopsies and the PBMCs, where we were able to show actually uptake in the cytokines released by the T-cell activation for persistently happening all the way to day 366. That's more than a year. And, and that kind of keyed us into the fact that, you know, we only gave one dose of CNOVI, but with the continuous every three-week infusion of pembrolizumab, we were able to expand that durable response in these patients translationally as well, which speaks to the synergy between both. In terms of safety and tolerability, only grade one or grade two events were noted. Um, most of them were injection site reactions. Because this is a bacterial vector, we saw a lot of germination. We're talking about um, ulcerations or injection site pain, which was controlled with oral doxycycline. And these patients were monitored in the hospital for that first week when they received the uh, treatment as well. Um, we're still, this trial is still recruiting patients, so the recommended phase two dose is still pending, but we have tested this in four cohorts and we hope to um, enroll and complete our uh, trial recruitment very shortly and report the results. Yes. Finally, we have Heath Devon Skinner of Hillman Cancer Center in Pittsburgh sharing findings from the phase two study which aimed to investigate treatment de-intensification for resected HPV associated oropharyngeal squamous cell carcinoma by adding the volumab to a reduced radiation therapy regimen. So in this study, we're actually presented with the question, what do we do in HPV-positive or pharyngeal tumors that once they're resected with transoral robotic surgery have either extranodal extension or positive margins? Historically, these patients have been treated with a combination of radiation plus concurrent cisplatin. The goal of this study was to determine if radiation at a slightly lower dose plus concurrent nivolumab would have equivalent outcomes, at least in a small study. So we treated a total of 41 patients with transoral robotic surgery, followed by radiation to 50 gray plus nivolumab, 
in the, only in those patients that had extranodal, gross extranodal extension or positive margin. And we looked for disease-free survival being our overall endpoint. And what we found was that at least at an earlier time point, at two-year progression-free survival was actually quite favorable compared to previous trials at 97%. Moreover, the toxicity profile was actually also quite favorable compared to historical controls of concurrent chemoradiation in the setting. So we also looked at quality of life indices and found that the quality of life indices were also uh, favorably compared to previous studies. Thank you for listening. If you have found this podcast insightful, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe on your podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at VJ Oncology to join in the conversation and check out vjoncology.com for all of our exclusive coverage on head and neck cancer.